Hi, this is Robert Duncan McNeil, also known as Tom Paris from Star Trek Voyager. You're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. Today we're starting a brand new series on Ronald D. Moore as a showrunner, uh, and today we're going to be looking at his work on Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm Ron Moore, but more than Moore. <laughs> okay, and uh, today we are joined by Matt Rushing. How's it going, Matt? It's going great. How are you guys? We're doing Okay. And now, last time we had you on the show was because you were the co-host, or you are the co-host of Literary Treks on FF, on Trek FM. And this time we have you on the show because you're the co-host of The Orb on Trek FM. We, we figured that that was appropriate since, uh, you know, Ron Moore is such a huge part of Deep Space Nine. So uh, thanks for joining us. It, uh, we really appreciate it. Before we get to Deep Space Nine, you know, let me just say that first off, when, when we first came up with the idea for this show, like the thing that I was looking forward to more than anything else, the one that I really, 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 really wanted to do was Ron Moore. And uh, now because, we're finally doing it. Because you really want to talk excited. about Roswell. I want to. I want to talk about badass Roswell. Is. I want to talk about how much I love Roswell. I want to talk about how much I love Battlestar Galactica and how much I love Ron Moore. Get your hankies ready because it's going to be romantic when we get to Roswell. Because it's uh, going to be sad <laughs> and tragic. Okay, honestly, I think that that Ron Moore is the best creator that Star Trek has ever had. So, oh, let's. I'll just preface this series just by saying that. Stay over there in the corner. Okay, Matt. In general, what are your feelings on? Ron Moore. Well, the thing I really like about Ron Moore is that uh, whenever you watch one of his shows, they're very character-driven. Um, he's trying to tell you something about these characters. He's he's a mythology maker. I mean, he, he enjoys, I think, that myth-making aspect. And so as I watch his shows uh, that he's worked on, you, you can really see that come to light. And for me, it's something that I really enjoy um, I uh, really respond to, to good character writing, but I also really respond to um, creating kind of a, a continuous mythology throughout your show. And uh, he does that really well. And in fact, the two episodes that he's involved in in Voyager, you can actually see him trying to do that, and then he just gets slapped down and quits. But, you know, through The Next Generation and then Deep Space Nine, uh, you really see him continuously working to grow characters, to, to create a mythology for, you know, especially certain races like the Klingons. And all those things put together, I think, like you said, make him a really effective showrunner uh, because he seems to really care about the material that he's working on and, and trying to make it the best that it can be. And, uh, you know, what more could you really want from a showrunner? Okay, well, well, Max, what do you think about uh, Ron Moore? Going through, I mean, like after Deep Space Nine, like when 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 that show ended, there was a period of um, um, darkness, and, and and it was difficult to find Star Trek that I particularly uh, had an attachment to. But uh, then, you know, eventually BSG showed up, and I was like, "Oh, this is fantastic!" And and a lot of the things that uh, that that I would say to people are good about Star Trek were present in it, and I was like, oh, "It's got like that thing where it's like really good characters and really good stories and really good dramatic concepts, and it's also really asking difficult questions about society and and, and politics and 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 you know, essentially like the morality of everyday consequences." And 
so like I, I was really a big fan of like Ron Moore's general approach to things uh, because I mean you take the D Space Nine, you take the BSG, and you you throw in some um, spices from Roswell, I suppose, and uh, and you're like, yeah, he's pretty well rounded. He's also kind of crazy because he comes up with like really bizarre ideas for TV shows, and while he is like very character driven in his writing, he also does sort of love really big, crazy, high concept stuff. I mean, he's he's a weird difficult to pin down guy because he doesn't have that one really great amazing thing that he's super perfect at because his mythologies have problems and his character stuff is incredibly good but also kind of relies on that mythology stuff and i I can't i can't pin it down all right well maybe over the course of the next couple months we'll be able to no it's going to unravel it's going to get even worse okay well yeah i mean as i said i think he's the best uh, creator ever to come out of of star trek uh oh to come out of star trek yeah, well, yeah, to ever work in Star Trek, to ever come out of Star Trek, sure. To come, okay, to come out of Star <clears throat> Trek, because Gene Roddenberry never really got out. To ever work in Star Trek, I would say. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, pr- pretty much the same reaction that, that you had when, uh, you know, Battlestar Galactica came on. I, I, ro- I watched it specifically because I knew that Ron Moore had uh, created it or developed it or whatever, and I... It just blew me away, and I, uh, ever since then, have just sort of eaten up anything that that ron moore was uh willing to give me so um today we're going to be talking about his work on star trek and uh we'll start with the next generation where he wrote uh 27 episodes or at least uh helped write 27 episodes his very first was the bonding in season three and uh that was a, a spec script that he wrote for the show and Gene Roddenberry apparently hated this script, but thankfully Michael Pillar was there and he bought it and they altered it into something which was usable. Well, uh, Matt, what did you think about the bonding? Well, I thought it was really interesting because um, you can tell right away that Ron has an affinity for Klingons because um, he's writing an episode about Worf and his struggle of being a command and losing somebody under his command and... Um, the importance of family to Klingons that's really going to come out in this series and all of these things he's already kind of set in motion in this one episode but uh, I, I, I like this episode I think it's a really strong a really well acted character episode and I think Ron Moore's writing shines in it and, and really makes the best out of, of what we're given um, and you can tell right away that he's going to be a strong writer for the show yeah uh max what, what what about you did you like the bonding um well when this episode aired i did not care for it but it's uh, i mean mainly because the uh the, the storyline that 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 got shoved into it after the you know the script was bought and then it was the alterations to make it compatible with uh, with roddenberry's idea but uh it, I did, I did, I did appreciate any time on on Next Gen, like in in those early days. Any time on Next Gen when they would, like, sort of open up the world to sort of see like closer down to the ground, like what like day to day life was like. I would relish those moments. So seeing like Troy being a counselor really made me happy. I think more than anything, I'm I'm interested in like sort of the evolution of that script and uh, sort of the behind the scenes stuff. Then I, you know, the the episode itself, I'm not really that uh, interested in at all. But um, you know, looking at at the rest of his uh, next generation career, you know, just I mean, some of these episodes are just like monsters. You know, like 
yesterday's Enterprise. Well, I guess everyone did. Well, he didn't do anything in yesterday's Enterprise. He he wrote like one act, right? Data's Day. But Data's Day wasn't his thing. It was somebody else's well, idea. Well, these are a lot. A lot of them are, you know, other people's things. Like I think like if that. you want, if you want to point to like an episode and say like this is where we, where Ron Moore proves that he's like the man or the Mizan family. Family was the first time I think that they realized we have to follow up what happened last week with something. Uh, we we can't just pretend like this didn't happen. Ron Moore shows in that episode that he understands character development like and, and consequences for things pretty well i i do like the choices he makes in this episode here i, I think it, it it comes off really really well um and if they hadn't done anything i mean good grief that would have just been ridiculous families family's a weird episode because in context in the context of the series it's so so bound up in what's great about next generation that it's impossible to talk about the show being good without mentioning that episode but out of context it's the one really weird episode where nobody really does anything and picard cries but like even and that's so weird for next generation because it didn't really have continuity and the idea there's this one little bizarre outlier well but i i think you know if you jump say to the end of the series with all good things you can tell that again ron knows what he's doing with the mythology that the show had created, the yeah. little tiny bit of mythology that the show has created, they used to end the show. Yeah, and my I, goodness! I could if, go if on that had for been years. the whole show, you yeah. know, I could go I on mean, for years about how fantastic All Good Things is. Yeah. So um, I mean, like, like to so. me, like, like Ron Moore and Brandon Braga's work on All Good Things makes uh, everything okay. <laughs> I forgive Aquiel. It's okay, Aquiel. Something that you brought up about the bonding, which I had never really thought of, but looking at the list, I can totally see. You know, you were like, this is a sort of like ground level portrayal of you know day to day life on the Enterprise, and yeah. like looking at his other mo- his other episodes, he did Family, Data's Day, In Theory. Disaster, even I would put in that category. Disaster! Oh, I hate disaster. I love disaster. <laughs> oh, it's so frustrating. Disaster. And and it's he like has... I get it. Troy sucks. <laughs> and he he quickly sort of rose to to prominence in a sense as uh, sort of like n- not not the the, the showrunner or anything like that, but sort of as like the go to guy for writing. I mean, he also he... became their Klingonsman. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, tied into this. I mean, he wrote Family, which is following up Best of Both Worlds. And then by the time, you know, that season ends, he wrote, I think, solely Redemption Parts 1 and 2. Which is then, you know, also big Klingon stuff, you know, not to mention the fact that later on, they, uh, you know, he wrote Tapestry, and then they gave him... It's also kind of the, the big, you know, season set pieces. That's a pretty big deal. Right, and then they gave him uh, all good things. His track record is is pretty amazing uh, on the show. I mean, he there's a couple of missteps. Obviously, Aquiel is one that even they can't stand either. But on a whole, I mean, his work is, is pretty impeccable on this show. Yeah, and now, I mean, Max and I have both talked about all good things at great length, you know, in our Brandon Braga thing and everything. Needless to say, we both enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, what about you, Matt? Are you a fan of all good things? I, I am, I, I, because of the way that they are able to wrap the whole show up. They end where they began and leaves you feeling like, if I never saw this crew again, I'm okay. Yeah, and it is one of the best finales in television history probably so uh after all good things um 
at least in terms of releasing uh, schedule, release schedule, he, he then uh, worked on both Generations and First Contact with Brandon Braga. Max and I have talked about both of those movies at great length as well. Uh, Generations is a movie which I love for many reasons, not all of them being logical ones. And Max, uh, I think it's safe to say, is not a fan of that or First Contact. All of my reasons being logical ones. <laughs> which could may or may not be a fault. And uh, First Contact is, you know... May is or it, may not be a fault? Yeah, well, we, we've got, we got into that with the Brandon Braga thing, but whatever. Uh, First Contact is another one which I, I love and, and Max does not love. What about you, Matt? Where do you fall on the uh, Braga more movies? Generations is is probably the second best Next Generation film, just because uh, they're they're really saddled with this whole idea of having to you know put Kirk in the movie, and the movie suffers for it. It's it's not a terrible movie. It's just not a great movie, especially when the Undiscovered Country was my favorite Star Trek movie, and it's fantastic. Um, and then you get to this point, and you know. Uh, it's okay. It, Kirk dies for some kind of lame reason. It's about as subtle as a brick. Um, or a bridge. Yeah, there you go. Falling um, on your body, crushing your bones. But one, one, one of the things that is, um, I can say positive about the movie is that you, you can again see Ron Moore really trying to take these next generation characters and really grow them. And, and so it, it, it's an okay movie for me. I mean, it's just, it, it's the second best next generation film. Uh, for me, I love First Contact. I think it's fantastic. I think it's the best Next Generation film. Max, I, I would... I mean, we could probably argue till the end of Kingdom Come uh, that it's not illogical, um, but I, I like it. I think it's fantastic, so... All right. Well, um, after the... Uh, well, after Generations, I guess, technically, uh, First Contact was done during Deep Space Nine, but he moved on to uh, the writing staff of Deep Space Nine after Next Generation had ended... And the very first episode that he did was the very first episode that he was involved with on the Deep Space Nine staff. And that was uh, the third season premiere, The Search Part One. That, to me alone, says a lot about you know his talent. The fact that they were like, this is the rookie kid, at least on on Deep Space Nine, and and I mean that. Well, hold on, rookie kid. I mean, like he was already like he was already basically uh, he was he was kind of co-running the show on was, Next Gen. He was the new guy. He was the new guy on the new kid on the block. Let's put it that way. He was the new big kid on the block. Okay, who we, had <laughs> his own car and had beers because his dad was really cool. Okay, <laughs> perhaps, but. Um, Regardless, they gave him, you know, uh, writing duties on the search part one, uh, at least for the for the teleplay, and um, that was, you know, a pretty huge episode. I mean, that's that to me is really sort of the turning point of the show. Not not turning point, but where they kick it into to high gear. You know, well, what, okay, what do you guys think about the search part one? You you a fan, Matt? Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a great uh, addition uh, to Deep Space Nine. I, I think it um, takes everything that they had done in those first couple of seasons and and just ex- ramps up what this show is going to be, and it really shows just how much we're going to be uh, a slave to continuity on the show by allowing these guys to just start running with the material. It becomes Star Trek's best series. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, Max, do you have anything to add to that? Or I mean, I think that pretty much sums it up. No, I, like I couldn't, I couldn't tell you exactly what's fantastic about the search, but I do remember, like around this point in time, um, Deep Space Nine gradually became like a show that I didn't know when it was on to a show that infuriated me because I didn't know when it was on. <laughs> it was uh, we're, in, we're in Chicago. It was impossible to know when it was on because of stupid baseball games. Because baseball is made by the devil. The Cubs, and not the Sox. Let doesn't matter. Specify. All baseball it's is equal. All of it is all of the all of it is abominations in the eyes of the non-sports loving God. Okay. And and. And, and I, I found it infuriating because I couldn't watch this show that I was suddenly becoming very into. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's the thing about like the search part one. I probably couldn't tell you the the plot of it if I. Well, I probably could if I really needed to. But you know, the things that we're seeing here are like Founders, Dominion, Defiant, and you know, it, I don't think there's uh, a coincidence that this is you know right around the time that Iris Stephen Bear took over the show. And the fact that all of these Next Generation guys came on, what you're seeing here with the start of Season 3 is the formation of the core writing staff. And those guys, I almost see them as like a unit. And it's kind of hard to just pick out episodes and say like, oh, that episode was written by that guy. Isn't it great? Because to me, it's like it was really a writing team. And this writing team was writing not an episode here or there, but like a show. You know, yeah. and that's the first time that that ever really happened on Star Trek. At least that's the impression that I got. And uh, because of that, like when I was sort of like prepping this, I was like, well, what do we talk about as far as like his Deep Space Nine episodes? And it's like you can't really you can't really pull out individual episodes and say, like, didn't he do a great job on that? Because I, I just feel like he needs to be credited along with the rest of the staff for I, the entire show. I completely agree and that is my point about about like why it was really hard to know what exactly was going on because yeah. it, we, I I couldn't tell you what Ron Moore did on Deep Space 9 until I watched all of BSG. Yeah. Right. Because because like like once you watch all of it, you can sort of like like do that weird like clue logic where like you you know what cards you have and you know what cards the other players have and you're like, "Oh, I got it. It was Colonel Sanders." Mm -hmm. In in the kitchen the with the chain gun and making up different things. <laughs> okay. Deep Space 9 was sort of defined by like a band I mean, yeah. like, you can say, like, oh, you know, Ringo wrote Octopus's Garden. Ringo, so we can blame that. Stephen Bear because of the glasses? No. Okay, anyway, go ahead. I'm, say, I'm saying that I don't know who the Ringo <laughs> of D-Space Nine is. But it wasn't Ron Moore. Because Ron Moore has got to be the Paul McCartney. Yeah, yeah. Iris Stephen Bear is the John. Yeah. Ron yeah. Moore is the Paul McCartney. I would say that... Uh, Rene Echevarria? He, he's, he's, is he... No, he's, he's is George. Is he Pete Best? He's George. Oh, he's George. I would say Hans hmm. Beimler is Ringo. Is Ringo? No, no, no. Joe Minoski is Ringo. Joe Minoski's Ringo. <laughs> Take that, Joe Minoski. Also Ringo Starr. <laughs> Both of these guys are still alive. I, I mean it as a compliment. But oh, okay. <laughs> I th I think that um, you're really hitting on the head is is that you know all of these guys from from the next generation finally get to come over to Deep Space Nine. They know this universe really, really well, and they're finally unshackled, you know, yeah. unchained. Yeah, in they, some don't, ways. they don't and, have, and, like, and, that studio oversight like a produced boy band might have. You know, sometimes limitations are good, sometimes yeah. they're not, and this show, I think, just had the right amount to really foster something awesome. I agree completely. I also think there are intangible qualities to that group of guys. I, I, I think, yeah. that like, 
like regardless of like how much oversight they had, uh, if those guys didn't work together the way they worked together, that show wouldn't work. No yeah. matter how talented they are, like they can't overcome like a basic principle of human interaction that 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 room full of those guys had to be functional. I mean, that could be. I mean, like, there's no way to know, like, why it worked, but, like, sometimes it works not for any good reason, but just because the right pieces are there. I mean, I, I, I agree with all that, too. And, you know, I mean, for, for anyone who is more interested in, in, in the, the, the creation of Deep Space Nine, I highly recommend reading the, Dar- the Star Trek Deep Space Nine companion, which goes yes. a, a lot into the writing staff. Uh, Set aside a big chunk of time. <laughs> it, it read is it, read it while it you're is, watching the show. Yeah, you it know? is the most fantastic. It's companion well, it ever written long. for Star Trek. It it is. Um, the the other thing that uh, you know we we see here it, with Deep Space Nine is uh, sort of Ron Moore solidifying his uh, his position as the Klingon guy, and I think the that, Klingonsman. Yeah, and and I think that this uh, I want that to catch on. The fact that he was there. I think is a big part of of uh, of why bringing Worf onto the show worked, you know, because that was the other thing, uh, you know, in addition to the Defiant. I, actually, I wasn't opposed to the Defiant thing, but Worf, Ron uh, that Moore was, and Worf came onto Deep Space Nine. Yep, that was the thing where I w- it was. I was like, they're bringing on Worf. Wow, what a a sellout move, you know. That I I I am not behind this. And then I think under the the, the leadership of Ron Moore, the Klingon storyline, you know, I mean, I know Iris Stephen Bear was the leader, but as far as, you know, like making the Klingons specifically work, I think that had a whole heck of a lot to do with Ron Moore. Well, in it, in it, too, I mean, one of the, the best parts was is that it allowed Worf to interact with, you know, kind of the quintessential amazing Klingon that we'd never really seen, which was Martok. And that creation, I think, did more for solidifying what we really wanted Klingons to be like. Um, And, and, I mean, Martok is the guy who's who's, um, completely honorable and and, and, and a man of, you know, really kind of above reproach in a lot of ways. What it really meant to be a true Klingon. You know, a lot of the Klingons we'd seen... In, in some ways, had a lot more of a, a Romulan Ferengi vibe to them. Um, well, in a way, they actually they, they explored him so uh, expertly by actually having him fail at being a perfect Klingon on a num- numerous occasions, which mm-hmm. made him work yes. better than almost yeah. anyone else. I certainly didn't believe that the Klingons could be a possible civilization well, until it was, Martok made, made exactly. it believable. It was really the first time where you saw like a Klingon like a full-on Klingon doing his full-on Klingon thing, but not in, like, a stereotypical Klingon way. Not in, like, the, we're only going to see this character's life for the span of a week, you know? Mm-hmm. It's right. like you saw the, the ups and downs of what it was to be a Klingon, and, you know, that was in a way that you couldn't with Worf, because Worf is constantly dealing with the fact that he's the only Klingon, you know? Yeah, but I, it's not just it's not just the stereotypical quality. It's it's the like by actually exploring it from like a, like a character point of view. I mean, really, Worf was a, a Klingon that we saw from a character point of view, but we didn't see him being a Klingon in Klingon society, and the society looked insane. It right. looked like a society of frat guys, and it seemed like who's doing the dishes on this planet? Like like how are how are people making spaceships here? So like obviously it would spin apart. 
but like seeing like Martok, you know, go through decisions and like have like a, like an internal conflict and like being a Klingon on a day to day basis, it finally seemed plausible. Yeah, right. So after Deep Space Nine ended, um, the dark times <laughs> uh, before the Empire, Ron Moore. Uh, very quickly and very, you know, some would say logically, uh, <laughs> on, on paper, on paper. Who, who are these some? I, I would it, say it, it it on paper, it, you're right. Yeah. It, it's definitely the next move. Is to yeah. Just go to the next series. It's he, the he wings joined, of Star Trek series. He, he joined, he joined you get Voyager. get it because of Paul McCartney? Okay, I uh, gotcha. Okay. Ooh. Ron Moore moved on to Voyager, uh, where he was going to be, uh, theoretically speaking, Brandon Braga's right-hand man. Which I think was problem number one. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I mean by that is... Subtext-free statement, coming now. Brandon Braga and Ron Moore were writing partners. So now for right. one of those guys, and it could have been, the situation could have been reversed and the same exact thing would have happened. For one of those guys to now be the boss of the other guy, that's going to cause some conflict. At least that's how it seems. I don't know the, the, the situation. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. The point is that Ron Moore was not happy working on Voyager, and so after two episodes, he left. While he was there, he only wrote one episode and didn't even stick around for it to be shot, and, and that episode <laughs> was uh, Survival Instinct, which was the one where, if I'm not mistaken, they find some other... Borg people from Seven of Nine's ship or something? Can someone? Yeah, Unimatrix Zero One. Um, and Unimatrix what, what, Zero what, What's What's amazing about the episode is that in one episode, Ron Moore gives us a ton of backstory for who Seven is and and just the experiences she has as Borg. It's it's a it's an incredible episode, I think, and really shows where he could have taken this show by injecting some freaking continuity into it. Um, and, you know, he comes onto a show where the writers don't care about <laughs> continuity. I think the indication is that everybody, I think even Brandon Braga has admitted that, like, the, the like they didn't have a good band on that, that, that show. That was the thing. That's what I was just going to say. Is, <laughs> like, you know, they might have all been individually really good, but they weren't a good band. The, the difference, right. yeah, the, the difference between Deep Space Nine and, and Voyager, according to Moore, and the reason why I didn't like it is, you know, Deep Space Nine, like we were saying, they were a team. They worked together to create a complete show, whereas with Voyager, everyone was sort of off doing their own thing and doing their own episodes and, in essence, competing with each other instead of working with each other. And the end result was something which was rather disjointed. Like a reunion tour. So, Matt, uh, any final thoughts on uh, Ron Moore's work on Star Trek? I think that Ron Moore is um, a good writer. Uh, I, I think that, like all writers, uh, you need the right team of people around you to help tell you when you've gone too far. Uh, I think we see that on Bla Battlestar Galactica. I, I don't think that he had enough people to keep him from over mythologizing or uh you know going super crazy with characters um but i think his work on uh the next generation and deep space nine uh really gave us some uh of the best things from star trek um and uh, i'm always looking forward to what he'll do next outside of star trek because 
Uh, I, I think he is a good creator. I think he has some great ideas. If you get the right people around him, he makes awesome things in, in, in the same way that I think George Lucas does as well. You get the right people around him, he makes awesome things. Um, and uh, I really appreciate all that Ron added to Star Trek. I, I appreciate that he really flushed out the Klingons. Um, I, I appreciate that uh, he, he came into Deep Space Nine, took his gifts of mythologizing and really helped create a beautiful tapestry uh, for that series. And, uh, yeah, I'm always thankful that um, he got accepted with that spec script and became a part of the Trek family. Max? Well, I, 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 you know, I I pretty much agree with all of that. Um, I I think that the... Yeah, I, I, I can't I can't criticize BSG the way that I once did because uh, I just think that it's part of a, a like a movement towards you know just generally better written stuff that doesn't really have an overarching point uh, and and you know I, I think that, that BSG was amazing for all the same reasons Game of Thrones is amazing but I, but I'm not expecting the finale of Game of Thrones to wrap things up nicely um, but I, I do have a great appreciation for everything Ron Moore has done over the years. Uh, except for Roswell, but I haven't, you know, dealt. With, I haven't dealt with my issues with uh, with with nineties teen shows yet. Still got some hangups about those. But yeah, it, it, he's 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 an amazingly good writer who has created an amazingly great show that has some problems. But I mean, I can't even criticize those problems because they're so small compared to how much better BSG is than any other show that was on and maybe still is on. All right, well, uh, I am also a, obviously a huge fan of Ron Moore and his work on uh, Star Trek All Good Things. Generations First Contact are all some of my absolute favorite um, uh, Star Trek things. And on Deep Space Nine, the series on the whole is one of my absolute favorite Star Trek things. And even within that, he did, like, Trials and Tribulations, which, you know, you got to love stuff like that. So, I, I mean, I, I, I would have loved to have seen what he would do with Voyager. I'd love to see what that show would be like uh, with Ron Moore on staff. But uh, the, I, I know that he said that a lot of the ideas which he had for Voyager, he uh, then sort of implemented on BSG. And I think that uh, being able to take those ideas and apply them to a show where he had control over it was is probably for the best, and in the end, I'll sacrifice his Voyager years to get some BSG. BSG. So, uh, yeah, very, very big fan of Ron Moore, and I can't wait to look at uh, the rest of the, the shows. So, Matt, where can people find you? Well, you can find me at MattRushing02 on Twitter. I'm also doing The Orb, all about Deep Space Nine. Uh, with uh, Christopher Jones, as well as Literary Treks about the books and comics universe uh, on Trek FM. To the uh, reader. With, that's right, with Chris Jones as well. And uh, I also have my own personal website. It's uh, 42lifeinbetween.wordpress.com. Just review movies, books, talk about just kind of anything that comes into my brain, so you can look at that as well. You know, I always like having Matt on the show because, uh, you know, he's a really nice guy and all that. But He has he, a very soothing voice. He does. And he's also a, a very good podcaster, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you listen to The Orb and Literary Treks? Yes. Me too. But those aren't the only shows that uh, we have on Trek FM. We've got uh, a whole variety of things. There's a show every day of the week. And uh, in case you're, you, you missed any, here's a, a little uh, 
spot with uh, some some stuff from the, the past week. Previously on Trek.fm, the orb. Sacrifice of angels. Again, Ducat in his overconfidence. Should we have anybody go after him? No, no, no. Yeah, fine. Just let just, him go. Yeah, it's just, right. I mean, we'll destroy him when he gets here. The ready room. Calm. But because they had to do this convolution, and they, so they they don't. I mean, Kirk should have had a reaction to that being Khan, and 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 when he says the name Khan, that should mean he didn't say my name is is Noonien, you know. He said Khan, and and you would at least have a thing in your mind going, oh, genetically enhanced Khan. This has got to be the Khan. To the journey. The fight. I'll never forgive you, listeners, for putting me through watching that again. <laughs> Although this episode did give us the line. Was your opponent firing some type of energy weapon at you? And then Chokote goes, Just his gloves. Commentary, Trek stars. Richard Matheson recap. And my favorite chapter in the Matheson life is when he was hired by Rod Serling to work on The Twilight Zone, the first season of The Twilight Zone, because that is a fantastic moment in history where Rod Serling was creating something that would eventually become an incredibly important artifact of history. Warp 5. The Mako. Well, the employment arrangements are actually relative, quite relatively interesting to contemplate. As you, you know, you <laughs> joked about whether they were contractors or not, but as you've stated, they they are outside of Starfleet. Trek news and views. Seven of nine day. She's a, she was a bit overused, and it was a bit ridiculous some of the things her magical nanoprobes could do. But literary treks. Missions end. The question is, do you feel like Section Thirty One is? overused everyone wants to use section 31 and so they just keep popping up in every story and i think sometimes it does a disservice to the idea of section 31 and that's what else is happening on trek.fm so yeah be sure to check out those shows to get your daily trek talk fix we have shows for you every day and you'll find them on itunes stitcher TuneIn, windows phone xbox Zune, or you can stream and download the files from the website. Just go to trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. If you listen to all of the podcasts on Trek FM, you may or may not win a prize. There you go. You will not. And as always, you can find our other show on commentarytrackstars.com, where uh, if not already then very soon you can find uh matt talking to us about man of steel and then you can also find us on twitter at comtrackstars or email us at comtrackstars at gmail.com uh or uh hit us up on the forums at trek fm uh we're we're all on there and uh, leave us some feedback or, or whatnot thanks again for joining us matt and we will be back next week with your co-host Chris to talk about Roswell.